Amen. Well, good morning, Haynes Creek. Hope you are doing well on this uh, beautiful day outside, right? I mean, just wonderful weather, just amazing. Hope you spend some good time outside today in the rain. It's just lovely. It's awesome. I love winter. Winter is great, isn't it? I'm just kidding. Winter is terrible. Um, But it is good to see you. Thanks for being here today. My name is Travis. I'm the pastor here. If it is your first time, I just want to say a special welcome to you. We we are thrilled that you are here uh, with us today, visiting, checking things out. And I would love a chance just to reach out and say thank you so much for your visit. Uh, So if you could do me a huge favor, uh, on your way out, just stop by our welcome table. It's right out there as you go out the gym and into the hallway again. uh, We've got these little welcome cards. If you wouldn't mind filling one of those out, uh, we have a free gift that we'd love to put in your hands today as well as just a way to show our gratitude. And, and you filling out that card uh, really just gives me a chance to reach out and say thank you. I promise I won't sell your information um, unless somebody pays a lot and then I'll think about it. Um, I'm just kidding. But that's really just an opportunity for me to, to reach out and, and show you how much we appreciate it. So if you could do me that favor... I would love that. Um, And today, uh, we're we're gonna do something a a little different over the next couple of Sundays. So last week, we finished our almost year-long study going verse by verse through the book of Acts. So we wrapped that up last Sunday, and, uh, and we're going to start a new series in two weeks. So on, on Sunday, uh, February 5th, we are going to start a, a new uh, series called Good News, and this is all centered around the gospel. We're going to get back to the basics uh, of God's message to the world, his message throughout scripture. We're going to dig into uh, you know, God's creation, the fall, salvation, what that means for us uh, on a practical level. We're going to dig into all of this. This is a perfect time uh, to invite as well. So we've got these little invite cards, these business card size invites. Uh, They're out at our table as well. Feel free to grab a stack of those and just scatter them all across the county. All right, let's get the word out, invite people, and it's a great opportunity, uh, especially anybody in your life who may not know Jesus, may not be involved in church. This is an easy on-ramp for them to come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's in two weeks. And then for the next two Sundays, this Sunday and next Sunday, um, like I said, we're going to do something a little different. We're, we're going to pause a little bit and, and focus in on, on us, on the church uh, here, Haynes Creek. And we're going to talk about what the Lord is doing here, what the Lord has called us to be, who the Lord has called us to be as a church, and what that means for us as we seek to live for him in this new year in 2023. So this Sunday, we're going to talk high-level who we are as a church. And then next week, we're going to say, okay, based on who we believe God has called us to be, what do we want to focus on for 2023? So that's what we're doing over the next two weeks. Um, and, and as we get started, um, I just need to, to tell you something, uh, church. As, as your pastor, I need to confess something to you, let you know that I, your pastor, and directionally challenged. I am. I am. I have no idea how to get to places. Like if you were to tell me to get somewhere, you turn east and then you go north a little bit. Like I'll be, I don't, where's the sun at this hour of the day? Like I don't, that would mean nothing to me. I have no idea how to get around. Thankfully, the Lord in his grace has provided us the gift of GPS. And church, like I have a smartphone and really, honestly, I could do without all the benefits of the smartphone except for the GPS. That is the main reason I need that, and I, and I desperately need it. Because I just, look, if I go somewhere that I've never been before, if I'm not, like, dialed into, like, remembering the street names and how I turn, once I get there, if you're like, hey, tell me how to get back to where you came from, I couldn't tell you. 
Couldn't I, like go that way somewhere? I don't know. Maybe just by prayer and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll hope I get there. Right? Like that's that's what I would be without GPS. So this this past Monday, uh, my wife is a teacher. She head off of school for Martin Luther King Jr. holiday. Uh, so I, we took the kids to downtown Atlanta. We went to the King Center in the morning, um, and then I took my son. Zayden to the the Atlanta Hawks uh, Miami Heat NBA game and and me and my household we root for the Miami Heat those are the good guys and we root against all the other teams so I took him Heater in town so we went to the game and uh, we had fun unfortunately the the bad guys won the Hawks won that game that was a disappointment but that's okay that's okay I'm all right with that um, and then as we were leaving we we parked in this like underground area near State Farm Arena. And I get in, and cell server's spotty in that place because we're underground, basically. So I put in, you know, how to get home, and the GPS is like, I don't know where you are. Good luck. And I'm like, okay, you know, Zayden, hey, we're just going to figure this out. So I'm like trying to wind down these roads, and I find a dead end, and then I turn, and I find, finally I get to a street that looks like a normal road, and, I, and I'm coming, and you got a point where you're like, you got to turn left or right, and the GPS is still like, I don't know where you are. So I'm like, you know what? Again, by faith, we're just going to turn this way. I was wrong. I was wrong. I, I turned, and finally the GPS woke up, and it's like, oh, actually, no, you got make make a loop around. So finally we get like back to 85 and we're making our, our way home and I call Kendra to let her know we're coming. And she was checking my location. She's like, how come you did a loop around the downtown city of Atlanta? I'm like, because I don't know where I'm going. I cannot, I cannot function without GPS. I need direction. I need somebody to tell me where to go in order to get to where I need to go. So we, we need direction and, and we as a church need direction. And that's what these next two Sundays are all about. It's just us talking about the direction the Lord has called this church to, again, at a high level, and then specifically for 2023. And we're calling these two Sundays Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday, that's, that's a term that a lot of churches use to describe Sundays like the, the ones that we're doing these next two weeks. And and I struggle with that. I almost didn't use that terminology because I think the word vision is used too much in churches. Uh, it's used a lot in, in any kind of pastoral leadership. And you got to have vision. You got to communicate vision. You got to be a visionary leader. And oftentimes when, when, I, when I hear that, I get confused. I'm like, well, I don't know what that means. What are we talking about? When you use that word vision, what does that mean? As, as, a, as a young pastor coming up and trying to learn how to, how to do this, I was told a lot, well, you got you to gotta be able to cast vision. You got to be able to cast vision. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And a lot of times the, the explanation was like, well, you know, and it just left me more confused. So I don't, I don't love using that, but vision is a word that's used in scripture, and that, that's where we can have an anchor point. So uh, anytime we try to do anything for the church, we should start with the Bible. So when we talk about casting a vision for this church, for this area, what do we mean by that? Well, let's go to scripture. So again, we see this word used throughout scripture, and especially in the Old Testament, when it's used, it's often used as, as a word for revelation, and typically it means God giving a revelation to his people, giving a word to his people. So some examples of this, Habakkuk chapter two, verse two, the Lord answered me, write down this vision, clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. So he's telling, hey, write what I'm telling you down. Write this, this information down. This is the vision, write it down. First uh, Samuel 3, one, the boy Samuel served the Lord in Eli's presence. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and prophetic visions were not widespread. So here we see prophetic visions being equated to the word of the Lord. Jeremiah 23, 16, we're given this warning about visions. So this is what the Lord of Army says. Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They are deluding you. They speak visions 
from their own minds, not from the Lord's mouth. So here we're warned against following visions that don't come from the Lord, that are centered on man rather than centered on God. Proverbs 28, 19, this is the one that's, that's quoted all the time. Any Christian pastoral leadership book, you'll probably hear this verse. Anybody talking about vision probably use this first. Proverbs 28, 9, 18, the CSB translates it, without revelation, in other words, you could say, and a lot of translations do this, without vision. So without revelation, without vision, people run wild. But one who follows divine instruction will be happy. So when we talk about vision, when that word is used in the church, when that word is used in scripture, this this is what it's talking about, or at least this is what it, what it should be talking about, is, is God speaking to us, his people. God giving us his word, his direction, his leading. So as Proverbs 29, 18 says, instead of us just running around wild, doing our own thing, we are to follow God's vision. And, and Proverbs tells us God's vision is God's instruction. We're to follow his leading. We're to follow his word. We're to follow his direction. And how does God give us his direction? How does God reveal himself to us? Right here. His word. His word. So any vision talk within the church has to start here. What does God clearly tell us in his word? What does he make clear in his word? What's his vision? And this is what I love about scripture. We don't have to guess. Like God, does, God is not uh, ambiguous about what he wants for his people and his church and his word. He is clear. He tells us exactly who we're supposed to be and what he wants us to do. So when we talk about vision, this is what we're talking about. We say, okay, God, what, what do you want from us? Let's start there. So that's where we're gonna start. We are not supposed to come up with our own vision. We are to follow the vision that God has already given us clearly in his word. That's what we're supposed to do as a church. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. What, what, are, what high level, what does God make clear about who we're supposed to be as the church? So we wanna start there. What do you make clear? And then how do, we, how do we apply those clear commands to our particular church, to our particular area and context and, and us as an individual church here in Oxford in the year 2023? Like that's how, we, that's how we walk in the vision of the Lord. So that's what we're trying to do these next two Sundays. So we're gonna talk high level today, who are we supposed to be as a church? And then next Sunday, we're gonna talk about, okay, what does that mean for us in this particular year? What are we gonna focus on? What are we gonna work towards? What are we praying for in 2023. Okay, so that's where we're going. And I believe God makes clear that we as individual believers and we as a church are to center our lives and our church around three commands found in scripture. Or to center our lives around three commands, three big ideas, three big commands found from God. And they're often referred to as the great commandment and the great commission. So what do those passages tell us about following God's instruction, following God's vision for the church. Well, Matthew 22, verses 34 through 40, tell us the great commandment. So this starts out in verse 34. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he, that's Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two 
commands. Okay, so what's, what's the great commandment? Well, it's actually two commandments. Love God with everything and love your neighbor, love other people as much as you love yourself. So those are our first two that we start with. What does God want from us as people? What does God want from us as a church? He wants us to love him with everything and he wants us to love others as much as we love ourselves. Love God, love people. And the third big idea that we see for us as people, for us as the church comes from the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Jesus says this, Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the command here in this passage is to make disciples. Make disciples. Go into all the world, go to all the nations, make disciples. Teach them about me and baptize them. Make disciples. And these three big ideas, love God, love people, make disciples, are repeated in different ways and different forms all throughout the New Testament all throughout scripture as a whole. This is what God wants us to do. He wants us to love God. He wants us to love people and he wants us to make disciples. So that's what we are to do, not just as individual Christians, but also the church at large. Who are we supposed to be as a church? That's who we're supposed to be. So a simple mission statement, and, and churches have a variety of this same mission statement. Uh, it, you can look it up, and pretty much any church has some form of this. I'm just not super creative, so I just stick to the basics. So our mission statement, what are we, who are we as Haynes Creek? Why do we exist? Why do we, why do we do this thing every single Sunday? It's this reason. Haynes Creek exists to love God, love people, and make disciples. That's who we want to be as a church. We want to love God, love people, and make disciples. That's our mission. That's why we exist. That's why we do this. We want to love God, love people, make disciples. So for the rest of our time, I want to talk about specifically, again, at a high level, what does that mean for us? And we've got this, um, I'm going to put it on the screen, this, uh, we can call it a discipleship map. I don't know, I don't have a great word for it. Uh, but this is kind of who we are as a church. So we see our three big ideas and then surrounding that are different behaviors or actions that we believe will help us love God, love people, make disciples. So you kind of see love God's got three of those, make disciples got three of them, love people has a couple of them. So these are some behaviors, some actions, some, some targets to aim for. Because I think a lot of times we just kind of keep things theoretical in the church. Love God, love people, make disciples. Yeah, that all sounds great. Sure, let's go do that. But if we don't give some clarity, if we don't, again, give some direction, then, then what, what, what do we actually do? Like how do we actually walk in obedience to these three commands as a, as a church body? right, as a corporate gathering of believers. What does that look like? So again, that, that's where we're going today. That's going to set the outline for where we're headed. We're going to talk about loving God, loving people, and making disciples, and what it looks like to walk in obedience to those commands as a church body. So that's where we're going. We'll reference that map a lot. If you want um, uh, your own version of that, we have some printed out at the table out there in, uh, again, when you walk out our welcome table, feel free to grab one of those if you just want reference for it to keep on hand. Again, that's where we're going. So first one, love God. Love God. Let's look again at Jesus's great command here. He said to them in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. he said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love God with everything. That's the language there. Heart, soul, and mind. That, that's meant to say love God with everything. With all of it. 
your entire life. And I think sometimes we get in trouble because we, we use that word love a lot, like, right? I, I love my wife. I love my kids. I also love the NBA. I love the Miami Heat. Like, I, I love all of the things. I love tacos. Like, I love all of that. I don't love them all the same, or at least I, I probably shouldn't love them all the same, right? Like, I, that, that word love can mean different things. So sometimes when we say love God with everything, sometimes we might interpret that love God like I love my favorite food or I love my favorite hobby, it's just one of these things, a part of our lives that, yes, we love, we do. This is just, you know, this, this is part of who I am. That's not what Jesus says here. Right? He doesn't say, love God with a little bit of yourself. Love God with just this one aspect of yourself. Love God as much as you love these other things. No, he says, love God with everything about you. Love God with everything. Love him more than everything else in your life. That's what he's telling us here. Love him more than everything else. That means he, he gets it all. He gets our best. He gets our lives. That's what it means to love God with everything. So uh, some ways to, to help us think through how do, how do we love God? We, we, we love God in, in, with three things. We, with, we love God with our head, with our heart, and with our hands. So let's talk about that with, uh, for a few minutes here. We love God with our head. We're told here to love God with all our mind. We are to grow in our knowledge of God. We are to learn about God. Romans 12, 2 tells us that part of our spiritual growth is found in renewing our mind. We are to love God with our mind. Matthew 28, we saw part of making disciples involves what? Teaching. Teaching people about Jesus. We are to learn about God. We are to grow in our knowledge of God. And here's the reason why. Because as our knowledge increases our love should increase. The more I learn about God, the deeper I should love God. All right, and we see this in our relationships, right? I've been married to my wife for 13 years. At the year 13 mark, I should be able to love her more and better than I did in year one. Why? Because I know her deeper now. In year one, it might have been, you know what, this gift, this thing that I'm doing, maybe she'll like it, maybe she won't, I don't really know. It's kind of guesswork a little bit as you're learning. Even if you've been together for a long time, like getting married, like that just changes things and changes your dynamic and you learn even more about each other. So that year one mark, did I love my wife a lot? Yes. But now in year 13, I can love her even more. And part of the reason why is because I know her better. I know, man, you know, I, I know how to show her love. I know what communicates love to her more than other things. I've learned that about her. And that knowledge about her has increased my love for her. It's the same with God. I think too often we just make knowledge an end in itself. We just, we just learn about God. Like some of us are like, and I'm the same way, man. Like I nerd out on two things, theology and the MBA. Those are the two things in my life that I majorly nerd out on. So you want to talk about learning theology? Like just sign me up, man. I love that. Give me all the books. Give me all the podcasts. Give me all the sermons. I love building my knowledge of God. But too often it just stops at that. I just build up knowledge and I just know a bunch of things. And if I don't actually apply that to my life, if it doesn't sink down in my heart, if it just stays here in my head, all I've done is learn something and it hasn't affected any other part of my body. And eventually that is going to lead to pride and being puffed up with knowledge, which the Bible warns against all over the place. So we can't make knowledge an end in itself, but it is important, right? We should love God with our mind. We should learn about God. So let's keep talking. We love God with our head. We love God with our heart. Here I'm talking about devotion. Jesus says we're to love God with our heart and our soul, right? That, that's like the deep innermost parts of us. That's what we should love God with. So here we're talking about devotion. 
And by that, by that, I mean desire and motivation, right? I should want to love God. I should want to live for God. I should want to serve God. I should want to give God my all. If I'm, if I'm loving God with my heart, that's what that means. I want to do this. And look, only you can, can answer that question if, if you're loving God out of obligation or being forced to or, or because you actually desire to love God. And sometimes that fluctuates, right? Depending on if we're walking in sin or if we're just kind of in a dry spiritual state, like sometimes that can, that can shift and, and that answer might change depending on the day or the season that we're walking in. But look, nobody wants to be forced to love, right? Like if Valentine's Day is, is coming up and those of you that, that are married or have a significant other, like they're not selling cards in the store that say, uh, dear wife, I'm so glad that I've been forced to love you, right? Like no, who's buying that card? Who wants to receive that card? I love you so much and I'm so glad that I was forced to do that. Otherwise, maybe I would, maybe I wouldn't, I don't know. Like, nobody wants to hear that. Like, nobody wants to be loved because somebody is forcing you to love them. It's the same in our relationship with God. Like, like we, we should want to love God. That's what it means to love God with our heart, to be devoted to him. I, I want to love him. I want to love him. So we love God with our heart. Uh, third way we love God is we love God with our hands. We love God with our hands. And another way to say that is with obedience. So all this knowledge of God should then filter down to give me a heart devoted to God. And out of that devotion, I should want to follow God. I should want to walk in obedience to God. So if we truly love God, we, we will obey him. Again, it's the same in, in our relationships, right? In my relationship with Kendra, I, I should want to serve her. I should want to care for her. I should want to provide for her and, and my kids. Like I should, I should want to do that. I should, I should demonstrate my love by doing that. If I don't actually do that, if I don't actually serve my spouse or my kids, if I don't show an action that I, that I care about them, that I want to spend time with them, but I say, oh, well, well I do love you. Eventually those words aren't going to mean anything, right? If we don't back that up with action, we start to go, you know what? I'm not really, I'm not really sure that you do love me. Because we've got to show it. We've got to demonstrate that love if it's true and genuine. Jesus says this in, in John 14, 21. He says, the one who has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. How do we demonstrate our love for God? We walk in obedience to his commands. We walk in obedience to what he's called us to. That's how we demonstrate our love for God. So these all are connected. We love God with our head, we love God with our heart, and we love God with our hands. So let, let's go to our, our discipleship map. What are, what are some actions that we as a church body can do to help us love God this way? Now there's three, there's three areas that we can do. Again, this is as a corporate body, and, and I should just say like these, these behaviors, these actions are not meant to be exhaustive. Right? There's, there's probably more you'd be like, well, I could come up with four more. And you might come up with better ones. And praise God for that. Well done. Pass those, pass those ideas along to me. Like, this is not meant to be exhaustive, right? Because we can't do everything. But this gives us, as a church, again, some targets to aim for. So for loving God, us as a corporate body, what, what can we do? We can, we can have personal devotion to God. So we'll talk about that. We can, we can corporately worship together. And we can, we can give. We can be generous with what the Lord has blessed us with. So let's talk about those behaviors. So one of the ways that we can love God starts with us 
as individuals, our personal devotion to God. Building in that time to spend with Jesus day in and day out. If we want to love God as, as a corporate body, we have to love God as individual followers of him. We have to increase and grow in our love and devotion for Jesus. And the way we do that is by spending time with him. Spending time with him. Spending time in his word. Spending time in, in prayer. It has to start there. It has to start with this, this everyday spending time with Jesus. Jesus says this in John 15, 4, Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. Your translation might, might say abide, remain, abide. It's this idea that we stay close to Jesus. We stay close to him. We stay connected to him. We need that. If we're going to love God as a church, if we're going to make an impact in this community, it starts here with us as individuals follower, individual followers of Jesus. So us as a body, what we want to encourage every single one of us to do is spend time with Jesus. Open up his word, dig deep into his word, read, study, apply it, memorize it, meditate on it, spend time in prayer. Like we desperately need this personal devotional time with Jesus all the time, right? Like we need to do that. That's what it will help us grow in our love for God. Another way we can do it as a body is, is exactly what we're doing here, corporate worship. Gathering together as the people of God to come and worship and open up the word together and sing and encourage. Like this helps us love God. This is what Jesus has called us to do as the church, right? He's, he's called us to gather together. We see this all throughout the New Testament. What do the believers do? They gathered together to love one another, to serve one another, to worship Jesus together, to study the word together, to participate in communion together. Like these, uh, so many, everything that we talked about in the book of Acts, like that's what we're, that's what we're supposed to do. We, we gather together and, and the reason why is to love God and love each other. Right, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 tells us don't neglect gathering together. Like, like don't, don't do that. Like make this a priority because when you do, you can encourage one another. You can love one another, you can care for one another, and, and you can worship Jesus together. Just this idea of us gathering together on a regular basis deepens that love for God and love for each other. This time matters. We've got to make it a priority. This is a huge step that we can take to, to, to love God and love each other. This is an easy, simple step to take. So set aside each time to gather consistently as a group. That, that helps us love God. And then another way we can do it together as the church is to give, is to give, to give financially. We see this all throughout the New Testament. We've seen it all throughout our time in the book of Acts. One of the ways that the church demonstrates their love for God and their love for each other is to give and help provide for one another. This is what I always tell people about tithing because, you know, the argument is always, well, the preacher just wants to talk about money and just get more money and more money for the church. I always tell people, tithing is, is not about the church necessarily, not first and foremost. It's not about me. It's not because God somehow needs your money. That's not it. It's not like a, like a tip that we give God, like, hey, God, that was, that was a good worship service. Let me, let me tip you some coinage here. That's not it. The main reason we give is for our benefit. Because when we give, when we're generous, it aligns us with God's will. 
It says, God, I love you more than I love my stuff, more than I love my possessions, more than I love my wealth, more than I love my bank account. I love you more than all of that. And it shows recognition that all of this is his anyways, right? Like he owns all of it and he just calls us to be good stewards of it. So if you're giving because you think that, that God somehow needs your money, don't give. I'd rather you not give than do it for that reason. We give because it aligns us with God's plan and purpose for our lives. It demonstrates our love for him first and foremost. And then it also helps provide for the needs of this church and this community. We're able to do the ministry that we do because you give. So for those that give, man, thank you. Thank you. The Lord is using you in some amazing ways to do real ministry here in this church and in this community. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. So again, these, these are just some behaviors. I didn't do that. It wasn't me. These are some behaviors that we can take as a church to help us love God. All right, so second one, love people, love people. This is the, the second commandment, right? What does Jesus say? The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And by neighbor, we mean everybody, right? I'm just talking about your, your neighbors in your neighborhood, your next door neighbor. No, that's not, that, yes, that includes them, but, it, but it, it's everybody, right? When we say neighbor, we're talking about everybody. Love everybody, how much? As much as you love yourself. I don't know about you, but I love myself a lot. I love myself a lot. And that's okay to say, right? I love myself a lot, but that also means that I should love other people just as much as I love myself, right? Like that's what Jesus is calling us to. We love our neighbor as ourselves. So what does it look like to do that? Well, thankfully, Jesus answers this. He answers this in the form of a parable in Luke chapter 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan. It, it starts out very similar to what we saw in Matthew 22, where somebody comes to Jesus and they're like, hey, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Well, in this situation, he turns it back on the person asking. He says, well, what do you think it is? And the guy says, well, you're to love the Lord your God with everything and you love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, yeah, man, you got it. Great job. Go and do that. And then the guy says, well, what, what, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And when he asks that question, yes, he's asking, who do I love as much as myself? But he's, he's just as equally asking, who do I not have to love? Is there anybody excluded from the neighbor that I don't have to love as much as I love myself? Like, that's what he's getting at. And Jesus tells this story of a man who was traveling, and he gets beaten up on the side of the road. Everything's stolen from him, gets robbed and left for dead on the side of the road. And Jesus says, a priest comes by, sees the man hurting and in need and keeps on walking. And then he says, a Levite came. It was kind of like an assistance to the priests. A, a Levite comes by and sees the man in need, sees the man hurting and walks on by. And then he says, a Samaritan comes. And this is where we'll pick up the story in verse 33 of Luke chapter 10. Jesus says this, verse 33, Luke chapter 10, but a Samaritan on his journey came up to him and when he saw the man, he had compassion and he went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? There's only one answer. There's only one answer, and this guy says it. The one who showed mercy to him, he said. And then Jesus told him, go and do the same. You want to know what it looks like to love your neighbor? This is what it looks like. 
we follow this parable, the actions of the Good Samaritan. When we, when we look at this, it tells us that there's three aspects to loving other people. We, we love with compassion, action, and sacrifice. We love with compassion, right? It says that, that the, the Samaritan saw the man, he saw him in need, and he had compassion, that idea of compassion means that there was this, this deep-seated desire to, to care for this man, to love and care and help this person out. That's where, where love starts, right? It starts with this, this emotional response to seeing somebody needs, seeing another person, saying, man, I, 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 need, I need to love that person. I need, I need to care for them. I need to come alongside them and support them and encourage them or whatever it looks like. It starts there with this desire to care for one another. It starts with compassion. Now, a lot of times, they can just end there, right? We can, we can see someone in need and go, oh, man, I feel for you. I'm sorry. That's tough. Tough break. I feel bad. I'll pray for you. And that's it, right? It just stops there. That's not what the Samaritan The Samaritan didn't see the guy and go, yeah, that's, that's not looking good. Sorry, man. Like, that's, that's rough. But I got, I got places to go. I'm on, a, I'm, on a, I'm on a deadline here. I got to go. So, sorry. I feel bad for you. But I'm going to go on my way. Like too often it just stops there, but that's not what the Samaritan did. That's not true love. Love, again, has to demonstrate itself in action. Just like when we love God, it has to filter down into our hands. It has to filter down into obedience. Same with loving other people. If we say we truly love others, it has to demonstrate itself in action. That's exactly what the Samaritan did. He took care of this guy. He took care of him. He doesn't know this guy. This guy's a complete stranger that he just sees on his way to somewhere else. He stops everything out of love and care and concern for this stranger. This is the pattern set forth for us for loving other people. So we have to see people in need. We have to have compassion. We have to actually care about other people. And then we have to take action to, demonstra- to demonstrate our love for one another. And when we do that, it's going to demand sacrifice sometimes. Loving other people the way that Jesus wants us to love others isn't always easy. It's going to demand sacrifice sometimes. This Samaritan sacrificed, again, time. He was, he was going somewhere else. Like, he wasn't just out for a stroll that day, just, you know, whatever. Hey, let's just enjoy the day. No, he was on his way somewhere. But he stops what he was doing because it was more important to help this guy out. So he sacrificed time. He sacrificed resources. He sacrificed money to help this guy out. Again, a complete stranger. When we love people the way Jesus calls us to love others, it will demand sacrifice. We might have to sacrifice our time, our plans, our resources. But that's how we love people. We love with compassion, we love with action, and we love with sacrifice. So what does this look like for us as a church? Again, what are some behaviors and actions? Let's put that screen back up, Chris. Not that one, that's a good line though. Love people, what are the two actions that we have for loving people? What can help us as a church love people? Again, with this idea of not just having love, but demonstrating love, we demonstrate it through serving the church and serving the community. So we can show our love for others by serving the church, by serving one another in the church. And we, we do this with, with, our, with our gifts, our talents, our passions. Every time your New Testament talks about spiritual gifts, It's always within the context of using that gift to serve one another in the church. That's the primary reason God has given you a spiritual gift is to use that to serve one another inside the church. So we serve one another with our gifts, with our talents, 
with our time. And look, we, we, do this, we do this organically just in our relationships, right? Like if we truly love one another in this room, in this church, if we really love each other, well, then we're going to take advantage of every opportunity we have to serve one another in people's time of need, right? If somebody's going through something, if there's a difficult time, busy scene, whatever, we, we sacrifice to love them. So we, we love each other. This is what Jesus says. I find this so interesting. This is what Jesus says in John 13, 34 through 35. This is during the Last Supper, his, his last times with his disciples before he goes to the cross. He says this, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. One of the greatest witnesses we have to the world around us is our love for one another. By loving one another, we demonstrate the love of God to the rest of the world. Jesus is saying here that that the church should be a testimony, a beacon of love, of God's love to the rest of the world. People should see God's love in the way that we love and treat one another. This is why unity in the church is talked about so much in the New Testament. Because where there's disunity, where there's infighting, where there's complaining and grumbling, that's not showing love. That's not demonstrating love. When people look at a church like that, all they see is exactly what the rest of their relationships look like. A dysfunctional mess. That's not what the church is supposed to be. We can demonstrate God. We can demonstrate his gospel message, his love for the world by the way we love each other. By the way we serve each other. So we serve organically just in our relationships. And we also do this structurally, right? Like as a church, we provide some structure around serving and giving you opportunities and ways that you can serve and use your gifts. So we have ministry teams like our kids ministry or, or greeting and first impressions or our setup and teardown team, uh, tech back there running all this stuff, making, making me sound better than I, I probably would otherwise, uh, putting everything on the screen up there. That's not just done by magic. That's not done by little you know, service elves. No, that, that's done by volunteers sacrificing their time. The stuff that you're enjoying, sitting in a chair, drinking some coffee, having a kids' ministry space, that's all set up by people here in this room, in this church. The band up here uses their time and their talent to lead us in worship week in and week out. So if you're not currently serving in one of these more structured ways here at the church, man, I invite you into that. This is a great way for us to demonstrate love for one another by stepping into these areas and meeting real needs. And look, here's the beauty about a church like ours. I can say with complete and full honesty, we need every single volunteer that we can get. I've been in churches that are larger where I say that and I'm like, you know what, we can probably get away with the people that we have. It's nice to have new people coming and serving, that's great, but you know, we're we're probably pretty good. Not here. No, I I can truthfully say every moment that we could always use more help. We could always use more volunteers. If you are here at Haynes Creek, God can and will use you in mighty ways. So step into serving. So we love others by loving the church, serving the church, and then we serve the community. We demonstrate the same thing, just like we demonstrate our love for each other by serving each other and meeting our needs together. We do that with the community at large. We demonstrate our love for the community by, by reaching out and meeting real needs and caring for people and demonstrating to our community, look, we're not just here for ourselves. We're not just here to focus on us inside these four walls. No, we're, we're here to love you, serve you, and bring God's saving grace to your lives. 
So we do that by, by serving our community, by looking for opportunities in our city, in our community to meet real tangible needs and serve one another. All right, so we, we love God, we love people, and third, we'll, we'll end here, we, we make disciples. We make disciples. Let me read Matthew 28 one more time here. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. This is what we talked about last week. This is what we talked about all throughout our series in Acts, week in and week out. What did we see over and over and over and over again? It's the people of God going out into the world proclaiming the gospel. And look, I get it. You're probably tired of me talking about evangelism. Well, sorry, the Bible talks a lot about it, so I'm going to talk a lot about it. This is what we're called to, church. This is our mission. These are our marching orders. What are we to do when we go out into the world? What does Jesus do as he releases us into the world? We make disciples. We make disciples. And this is what I love. This is, again, a message throughout the New Testament that God uses his church, his people, to bring this message to the world. We see this in Ephesians 3, starting in verse 8. Paul writes this. He says, This grace was given to me, the least of all the saints, to proclaim to the Gentiles the incalculable riches of Christ and to shed light for all about the administration of the mystery. When, when Paul uses that phrase, the mystery, he's talking about the gospel. It's about how Jesus saves sinners. And that's a mystery, right? Like that, like how does he, I, that's crazy, right? That he does that. It's a mystery. So uh, shed light for all about the ministration of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church. Through the church. To the rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord part of God's eternal purpose, what he set out to accomplish before the foundations of the world, before he created anything, was to use the church, to use us, to proclaim him to everybody everywhere. So we as the church are to do that. We are to do that. We are to go and make disciples and we make disciples by, by one, displaying and declaring the gospel. If we're going to make disciples, it starts with evangelism. It starts with introducing Jesus to people who don't know Jesus. We display and declare the gospel. We display the gospel with our lives, with our actions, right? The ways that we've been talking about. We, we serve one another. We serve the community. By, by doing that, by doing these things, by living the way that Jesus has called us to, we display the gospel to those around us. But it can't stop there. It can't just stop with displaying. We have to declare it too. It's what we read last week in Romans chapter 10. It says that, that, that how are people to know about Jesus unless they hear about Jesus? And how can they, how, how can they hear about Jesus unless they're, they're told about Jesus? We don't just display the gospel. We have to declare the gospel. We can't leave people wondering, well, man, that, that church, Haynes Creek, man, they, they love people, right? Like, man, they're always serving. They're always out in the community. They're always doing something. That's cool. Wonder why they do that. We can't leave people wondering. We have to display and declare the gospel. 
we have to tell people clearly, man, I do this because I love you and, and God loved me first and I want to tell you all about Jesus and, and how he changed my life. Like we have to tell people the gospel. We have to declare it. We can't just hope that people are going to hear and understand Jesus just by looking at, their, at our lives. Too often the saying is, is just thrown out in churches, right? Maybe you've heard it. Share the gospel at all times and, and if necessary, use words. Well, church, I want to make clear, it's always necessary. Always. It's always necessary. I mean, imagine saying, you know, go and help the hungry, and if necessary, use food. It's always necessary, right? We can go to the hungry and like, hey, let me tell you about good nutrition. Let me tell you about, about the good ways that you can, you can help your body out by eating the right things. And that's all we do. Here's a brochure about how to, how to eat healthy, right? Like, or how to, how to, how to find food, right? Like, we, we, we get, no, we, we give them food. If people are hungry, we give them food. And look, people are hungry for the gospel. They might not know that they're hungry, but they are. We have to display and we have to declare the gospel. This is the first step in making disciples. It starts with evangelism. And then it leads into what we refer to commonly within church, discipleship. And that, that's what Jesus says in, in Matthew 28, go make disciples. And, and you do that by baptizing and then teaching, right? As, as converts are made, as people put their faith in Jesus, we welcome them into the church and we, and we teach them about Jesus. We help them grow in their relationship with Jesus. Ephesians 4 talks about this. Ephesians 4 Starting verse 11, I won't read this whole passage, but it's really good, so I probably should, but uh, we're, we'll stop a couple of verses here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, this is what Jesus says about discipleship. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. What's our goal in discipleship? It's this, to build our faith and knowledge of Jesus, to grow in maturity as believers. And to do that, we, we need each other, right? We need the church. This is why God has given us the church, is to help us do that. So how do we make disciples? We display and declare the gospel. We evangelize, and then we disciple people. We teach them about Jesus. We teach them about Jesus. So what does this look like for us as a church? Let's put the, uh, let's put the map back up there, Chris. So we make disciples by, by doing three things. We, we reach our neighbor, we reach the nations, and we connect in discipleship. So we, we reach our neighbor. And this is, again, what we've talked about all throughout the book of Acts. When Jesus says, right before he ascends into heaven, he gives, again, his marching orders. Acts 1.8, go and be witnesses, right? Like, you will be my witness. You'll receive power from the Holy Spirit, and you will be my witnesses. And where does he say to start? Jerusalem. He says, start close. Start with those that you're close to. And that's what we mean by reach your neighbor. Reach those that are, you're, you're, you're close to. Who are the people in your lives that, that you're close to? In proximity and in relationship and, and consistently, like who do you see on a regular basis? If you live in a neighborhood, if you have neighbors, who, who are your neighbors? Do you know them? If not, start there, right? Who do you see on a regular, who are you working with in the community? Who do you see on a regular basis? You're out running errands. If you're out uh, with your kids over on the weekend doing things, like who, who takes your order at, at Starbucks? Or if you're not enlightened to the gospel, Dunkin' Donuts. Like wh wherever you go. Just kidding, y'all. Just kidding. Well, who are these people that we see on a regular basis? That's our Jerusalem. That's where we start. 
We reach those that are close. We start with our Jerusalem. And then, yes, we reach the nation's church. Like, we, we can't just, again, center it on, on who we're close to. No, Jesus calls us to the nations. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. Not just your nation, not just some nations, not just the nations that you want. No, all nations. And we as a church are invited to partner with God in his, in his, his global mission to save the lost. Like, how incredible is that, church? Here in, in Oxford, Georgia, we have an opportunity to reach people all across the globe. And we, we can do that by, Lord willing, someday sending out, you know, some short-term missions project, partnering with communities across the globe, maybe even by sending people, by sending resources. Like, we, we can do this. God has called us to this. Maybe even some of you here in this room, he's called to the nations. And he's sending you out. And how incredible would that be that, that, that Oxford, Georgia, the church at Haynes Creek becomes this missionary hub, just like we see the church at Antioch in Acts chapter 11. Like, how awesome would that be, church? That would be amazing. Let's pray for that. Let's seek that out. If you're called, like, let's, let's go, right? Let's go. Let's go to the nations. So we need both. We need to reach those that are close, and we need to reach those that are far. Again, we start, discipleship always starts with evangelism. We start with evangelism. And then a way that we, we grow in our discipleship is to connect in discipleship. Again, the church is here to build one another up, to help us grow in our knowledge, help us grow in our maturity of following Jesus. So let's partner in discipleship. And again, we, we can do that organically and, and structurally, right? Organically, maybe it's just in your relationships. Maybe it's just, you know what? Hey, let me get a group of guys, let me get a group of women together and just let's, let's meet for prayer. Let's meet for accountability. Like you don't need your pastor or your elders to say, go and do that. Like go and do that. That would be awesome. Seek it out. Like, right, sometimes, sometimes we just need to take that step of initiative and just asking something like, hey, can we just meet regularly and talk about Jesus and confess our sins to each other and help us grow? Or maybe you need to, those of you that maybe are, are younger in your faith, you need to find somebody who's older in their faith and say, hey, can, can, you, can you mentor me? Can you, show, can you show me the way? Like how do I live for Jesus in this world, in this moment right now? How do I live for Jesus as, as a spouse, as a parent? I need your help. Again, that's, that's what the church is here for. We need spiritual mothers and fathers in the church, mentoring those of us that are younger in our faith. And then we have, of course, some structured ways for discipleship. Here at Haynes Creek, that, that there's, there's three different options that we have for these more structured environments. We have our community groups, our small groups. These meet throughout the week in people's homes. They're, they're sermon-based, discussion-based small groups designed to help you build relationships in the church and, and talk about Jesus and pray for one another and express needs to one another. So we have small groups. We have our Sunday school, which meets every single Sunday before service, just right down the hallway in the library. A group of people gather every single Sunday to dig into God's word. So if you're like, man, I can't do during the week, I can't do evenings, whatever, like we've got an option, Sunday morning. Sunday school is a great option for digging into God's word and learning together and growing together. And then we also have our Bible studies. We, we have taken a, a little bit of a break. Last year we did men's and women's Bible study. We took a break because we, we moved here and we don't have a place for that. So we're trying to figure that out and we've got some plans for this new year on what Bible studies are gonna look like. It's gonna look a little different than what we did last year. Uh, we'll talk more about that next week. So we have, we have some organic ways we can grow and be discipled and, and we have some more structured ways. So if you're looking for opportunities to get discipled, like, like let me know. I wanna help you get connected to that. Like this, this is what the church is here for. This is what we're to do for one another. It's help disciple each other, help each other grow. So I believe that, that God has a, has a clear vision for his church. 
I believe he's, he's made it clear in his word that we don't have to go searching. We don't have to be extra creative and come up with uh, what's, what's God's special word for us. No, he, he's already given us a special word and it's right here called the Bible. And I believe he's clear about what he wants us to do as a church, who he wants us to be as a church. And they're found in those three commands, those, those three simple statements, six words, right? Love God, love people, make disciples. This is who he wants the church to be. This is who he wants us as a church to be. We are to be a church that loves God, loves people, and makes disciples. So I believe that's what Hain, uh, that God has called Haynes Creek to. And I want to invite you in to that. Like, let's do this together. I can't do it on my own. Your elders can't do it on your own. The, the, the key leaders and volunteers that we have in this church can't do it by themselves. No, hey, we got to do this together. We need all of us partnering together to achieve this mission, to follow God's plan, direction, and vision for this church. It, it, it needs all of us. We've all got to love people, love God, and, and make disciples. All of us need to do this. So I'm inviting you in. Join us in this. Partner with us in this mission. And again, next week we will... We'll talk more about, you know, how, how specifically can we do that here in 2023 again? Because we can't do everything. Can't do it all. I mean, those, those behaviors, those action steps kind of give us, again, some targets to aim for. We're not going to do all of that in one year. So what can we focus on for this upcoming year? We'll talk more about that next week. So I hope you can join us for that. With that church, we're going to conclude our time today. I'm going I'm to pray for us. We're going to enter into this time that we do every single Sunday uh, of communion and we're going to enter a time of worship. The band's going to come up as I pray and, and lead us in some more worship. And, uh, and as we do this, church, I just encourage you just, just to pray. Pray for, for our church. Pray for, for God's work in this community. What, what does God have for us? What does God want for us? Again, what, what steps does he want us to take as a body? We should be praying all the time for our church and his work in this area and how we can partner with him in what he's doing. So maybe spend some time in prayer. Maybe the Lord's shown us through this time, man, hey, I haven't been loving God the way that I need to. I haven't been loving others the way that I need to. I've been neglecting my call to go and make disciples. Well, that, that's the beauty of grace. That's the beauty of the gospel is we always have repentance, right? Repentance is always an option. Turning back to Jesus is always an option. So maybe you just need to spend some time in prayer and, and center back in on on that and say, Jesus, man, I, I know I've been loving something more than you, other things more than you, and I, I want to come back. I haven't been loving others as, as, as I love myself, the ways you called it. I, I want to come back. I, I haven't reached out to, to anybody with, with the gospel, Jesus. Like, I, 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 want, I want to do that. So I'm going to spend some time in, in prayer. And then as you're ready, as you're led, believers in the room, this, this, is, this time is for you, right? So as we as we feel led, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we go to the tables on either side. We, we take the bread, we take the cup, we eat and we drink as a, as a remembrance, as a recognition of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. As a way to participate with him in this moment, commune with him, right? Be with him. So we take, we eat, we drink and, and then we, we worship Jesus, church. We, we praise our good God and Savior. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you for, for who you are, Lord, and for all that you've done. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for making clear what we are to do and who we are to be, Jesus. 
I thank you that you don't leave it up to us to just kind of decide for ourselves. Because then we would be running wild, as Proverbs 29 says, Lord, without your direction, we would run wild. So thank you for your direction. Thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that you, you lead us, Jesus. You lead us, that we would be a church centered on you and your word and your mission, Jesus. I pray that you would continue to build this church, that you continue to grow this church, you would continue to unite this church, Lord. Just continue to give us a heart for you, a heart for obedience to, to however and wherever you're calling us to. Or sometimes we, we create ministry in, in our own minds, Lord, so forgive us for that. Forgive me for that when I do that at times, Jesus. And help us faithfully follow you and walk in obedience to whatever you have for us, Jesus. We ask this in your powerful name. Amen.